Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at Houston's bar and restaurant scene. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Aaron and Patrick Fegis of Fegis Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I am joined by my co-host this week, Felice Sloan of Urban Swank. Felice, welcome back to the show. Hey, 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 hey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, We have much to discuss, so I don't want to dilly or dally. Let's start with the news of familiar chefs with new jobs. Uh, Richard Knight is now the executive chef of Heralds in the Heights. He replaces Antoine Ware, who had been in that role since the restaurant opened in 2013. Uh, Richard is someone I think we both feel like we know pretty well. He yes. was the one of the co-owners of Feast. He was the executive chef at Hunky Dory. He's been kind of laying low the past year. He's done a couple of pop-ups, and he started a, a video series, but... Uh, certainly someone who has accomplished quite a bit as a chef in Houston and certainly someone that I personally am excited is back in the kitchen. I am super excited and to see what, you know, chef is always kind of doing his thing and putting his spin on these concepts. So I can't wait to see what he does with Harold's. Will they completely go chef night way or will it be chef night meets kind of what they have going on right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I saw Richard at Chef Fest. No, uh, rather, I saw him somewhere at a at Grand Prize last Sunday night. Uh, we talked for just a hot second. He said it's it's an interesting challenge because he's not opening a restaurant this time. He's, he's jumping into a restaurant that already has its own ways and regulars with certain favorite dishes, but he does have some ideas. I put in a request for the fish and chips that was a staple of the hunky dory menu. Of course, you did. <laughs> he he said that that uh, was likely to happen. So that'll be great because his fish and chips are pretty good. His fish and chips is English breakfast. I don't see them doing the English breakfast unless they do like a spin on it, right? English breakfast meets Southern breakfast. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I think merging kind of his English perspective with the Southern food that Harold's has always done will be an interesting mashup. You know, the one thing is that both Harold's and Richard have always had a commitment to buying really great local product Yes, and adjusting their menu seasonally. So that's not going to change. Right. Right. So I'm excited about that. That's a, I'm excited for Harold's and for chef night. And then a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Brandy key is now the new culinary director for Lasco enterprises. That's the company behind Max's wine dive and the tasting room. Uh, Brandy had been with Clark Cooper Concepts for uh, the past several years. She had uh, she opened Copa Ristorante, and then she became their director of culinary operations, opened Copa Osteria, Punk Simple Southern Food, the Dunleavy, Salter Seafood Kitchen. So very deeply involved in a very high-profile uh, local restaurant group. And now she's got a new gig. Felice, let me just let me just throw it to you. What do you think of the news that Brandy Key is now at Lasco Enterprises? Well, you know, I love Brandy. That's like my girl. She is like all things food, and I just think she's a rock star. So let's start with that. I am excited to see her back in 
this type of role because she is a beast in the kitchen. And so I'm really excited and seeing her tackle this concept because her culinary palette and kind of what she does with just different types of cuisine, it's amazing. Well, and I will say, I don't really think of the Tasting Room as a restaurant for excellent food. You know, like I've, I've, I've been there a few times. I've certainly been involved at events there, but, but food has always seemed kind of secondary to wine there, right. as you would expect given the name. And Max's Wine Dive has come some staples, uh, the fried chicken, the burger, a couple other things. But I don't always think of it as like, I want to go and see what's new at Max's. Sure. That's just not my interaction with it. So I think just as Richard Knight coming to Harold's is going to get me back to Harold's, I think once Brandy starts putting her stamp on the menus at the tasting room and Max's wine dive, that that's going to get me back into those restaurants for the first time in a little bit. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think it's a good move for kind of, as you're saying, the tasting room, their restaurants and things like that have not kind of been what people think about as food. They think about the wine or, hey, I'm going to meet some friends for some apps. Right, and- I'm going to get, I'm going to crush a flat, I'm going to split a bottle of wine and we'll eat a flatbread. Exactly. And so I think for for um, that group, that restaurant group, it's a major win for them just because they can do so many things that clearly with, so, you know, with the new restaurant and all these different things that you can see that they're positioning themselves for, I think it's a wonderful move. Well, and they haven't really had like a, a- head culinary person since Michael Pellegrino left. Right. And so this gives them a face and a name and someone with a, with a strong reputation to kind of lead them forward. And, you know, they're working on a new concept called sing with our friend cook lamb, who had been a food writer for the Houston press and a, a pop-up chef. So, you know, if I were cook, I think I'd be super excited about the opportunity to work with someone who's as accomplished as oh, she's jazz that she she's so excited. We um we talked to her about it. She's very excited. So, you know, girl power, twenty eighteen female power. Y'all just watch out. They're going to do some stuff over there. And I will just conclude this by saying <laughs> that Brandy is one of our judges for this year's Culture Map Tastemaker Awards. Uh, I'm rolling out the articles for the nominees by the time this podcast has posted there will be an article about uh, the bar of the year nominees and also the rising star chef of the year nominees and then on friday we will have the bartender of the year nominees so keep it locked on culture map for all the tastemaker articles and of course you can buy tickets to that event april 4th at silver street studios it's going to be so exciting i always look forward to that event yeah always a good time all right we do have other topics to discuss uh starting with the news that roman style pizza is coming to west U. Uh, a former motorcycle racer will, I, you know, is it Guri? Should have looked this up. Is, I, I thought it was Guri. I think it's Guri. But if not, you know, we'll hear. If about not, it. I'm sure we'll hear from. We yeah, will. We we'll get an email. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Pizza Modus, Roman style Pizza Altaglio to the former Edlow Street Cafe space, right in the heart of Westview, right near where uh, Tiny's Number 5 is. I mean, Felice, it seems to me like we have a lot of pizza in Houston. What What is it going to take 
for Pizza Modus to get you to give it a shot? I'm going to give it a shot just because it's a different style pizza I'm not familiar with. And kind of like you said, there's so many different styles of pizza here, which is kind of awesome for pizza lovers, especially like, okay, I love pizza. I've never tried this type. So just um, knowing I've never tried it, just the technique and um, you showed up in your article. I saw a picture of it and I'm it excited. Looks good, right? It That's does. Super airy <laughs> kind of thickish crust. Um, I think what's interesting to me about this style, this Roman style of pizza is that it's not like Neapolitan. Neapolitan is really only good hot out of the oven. Right. And the longer it cools or sits, it's just, it's not as good. Pizza Altaglio is designed to be taken to go. It's a, it's basically a street food in Rome. And so it'll be better as delivery. It'll be better as to go. You know, the idea that you can, you know, take a slice and eat it later. That's appealing to me. Have you had it before? I have not, but I am intrigued. Right. So you're intrigued. I, that's what I think is people, most people have not had it. Um, I won't say most. A lot of people will be like us. They have not tried it. So just, <laughs> they can knock it out of the park, just getting people in. And the, the early buzz is that the people in West U are really excited because they don't feel like they have a ton of restaurant options close by. And so they're just excited to have a locally owned independent pizzeria in the heart of their neighborhood. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm excited. And then another new restaurant that uh, was announced last week, uh, hashtag culture map exclusive <laughs> Cedars tapas bar is replacing ship and shield while well, ship and shield is closed. It's coming to that space that used to be Byzantio at West gray and Taft uh, Cedars Lebanese bakery is uh, certainly a very popular kind of under the radar destination for Mediterranean cuisine, uh, especially renowned for their fresh baked pita bread. This is a more elevated concept, you know, dishes that are more carefully plated, full cocktail menu. Uh, it'll be open at least late on the weekends. Uh, it's going to have a boozy brunch, like a champagne brunch. That's a big part of what they want to do. Uh, I have to say, I'm pretty excited about this. I think this is a nice addition to Montrose. I am too. I'm very excited. Um, exactly um, based on what you said, the elevated experience, the cocktails, the champagne brunch. I just, I want to see the elevate. I love Mediterranean food. So for me, super exciting. And in the Montrose area, right? That's, I love, I was just talking about that with someone. I love hanging out in that area, just kind of going to eat, walking around, shopping. So I, I think that'll be fun. Yeah. And that little stretch of West Gray is kind of on an upswing you know, Oporto has been there for a couple of years now, but Cafe Poets just opened there. The new Ginger Man just opened on Gray, and then we're going to have Cedar's Tapas Bar. So some interesting kind of new possibilities. And, and the other thing is cafeteria-style Mediterranean restaurants have become incredibly popular. Montrose has Aladdin. There's a whole bunch of Fadi's locations running around. There's, you know... And, and and people have kind of followed that that model. Right. So the idea of, you know, plated, cooked to order, a little more refined, maybe a little better ingredient, that's certainly appealing to me. I, I agree. I agree. And then <laughs> good news, the harp, which I think may be one of the first Houston bars I ever went to when I turned twenty one. 
Well, it was my first steak night. So okay. your, your first bar, my first steak night. And, they, you know, they have a killer steak night. So Right. right. So the harp, the harp has been around since 1999, which somehow I thought it had been longer. Uh, it closed last week, but not so fast because the owner of the harp has sold the name to Ted Baker, the owner of Revelry on Richmond, which is right next door to the harp. And he's going to reopen it. You know, they that space had been up for lease. The, the owner of the harp decided to retire. The space had been up for lease. My understanding is that basically every chef you have ever heard of in Houston at least kicked the tires on the idea of doing something new there. But instead, Ted Baker is going to keep it as the harp. He's just going to clean it up a little bit. I think this is good news for people in Montrose because it's it's the kind of place that people have been going to for years and years. They really like it, and he's not going to change it that much. New paint, new deck, better cocktails, and more Irish whiskey. Those are all good things. In my that opinion. is a good thing, and I'm sure they're going to kiss because they do steak night twice. I only I thought they only did it once a week. They do it twice a week. And it's kind of a big deal. Like, it's, <laughs> you know? So I was like, I like it. It's kind of what you're saying. It's a neighborhood spot. It's super chill, like where you just want to kind of just kick back have some good drinks, hang out. Um, I, it's, I love it. Yeah, the only bummer is it, it, they are known for their steak night. The guy who does that steak night, which you can find on Facebook at Meet Mojo, already found new gigs. Ah, oh. So they're, they're going to have a new <laughs> steak night. So they're still going to have steak night, but it's a new steak night guy. And I... Uh, but, but We'll still. give him a try. You yeah, know, we'll no, it's definitely try. worth trying. No shade. No shade. No shade to the new steak night guy. <laughs> At least until we try it. Until we try it. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, I've always found, you know, that's that's the part of Montrose that I live in. And it's always been like a comfortable neighborhood hang. It's always had a pretty good industry crowd. And, you know, I think light changes, a little, a little you know, a, a good cleaning and, and better cocktails. I think that's going to be pretty well received. Well, we'll go check it out and we can kind of update later on if that's your thing. If not, then... You know, hit us one-on-one and see what we think. <laughs> uh, and then, Felice, last week I published a list of 10 new happy hours. Did you did you look the list over? Do you have a new happy hour that you are excited about? You know, I looked the list over, and those aren't any of my favorite places to go, but I am intrigued because of the Third Coast Medical Center. I think that's the one that's most interesting to me because when I'm on that side of town and I have friends that are, you know, their sales reps are in the industry, we have to find somewhere to go outside the medical center, which there's traffic and all that. So I'm excited about that one, and I think I will try that one. I have to say I am most excited about one-fifth having a happy I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> because I like one-fifth, but it's expensive. And so the thought that I can, like, go in there and get a $7 cocktail and a a plate of food that's like in the in the teens instead of much more than that, that's appealing to me. And and I think just I haven't been back to romance languages uh in a few months and I think this will get me back there to see what they're up to. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. See for me, because it is so expensive, their happy hour, I'm like, it's their happy hour represents someone else's regular prices and their regular <laughs> That's right. So that's why I'm like, okay, that is what it is. I'm like, which one excites me the most? That's why I was third coast. 
Fair enough. All right. That does it for our news of the week. We will be right back to talk about a couple restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I have a couple of places that I want to discuss. Uh, I think on the show we are contractually obligated to talk about Nancy's Hustle every two or three weeks, and it's been a couple (laughs) weeks. Uh, I gave you and your partner in life and blogging, Shanna Jones, a number of options of restaurants that we could go together, and you chose Nancy's Hustle. We had a good dinner at Nancy's Hustle, which is not going to be a surprise to anyone who has listened to me talk about it before, but let me just let me just throw it to you. What specifically about Nancy's Hustle did you like? That girl, Nancy, honey, she has, her hustle game is on point. Everything. We loved everything. I mean, I can say we, because Shannon and I have still been talking about it. Um, just the, the ambi, let's just talk about the ambiance and, um just the vibe of the place right like you walk in it's it's fun people are very friendly so i was excited just from that and the food yeah the food yeah (laughs) so i think what's interesting about the food at nancy's hustle is that if you look at the menu online and you see oh there's okay they have grilled chicken they have seared snapper they have a steak they have lamb tartare it's like none of those things necessarily scream must order and yet the execution and the preparation is so precise and so thoughtful that it's it's just it just tastes great it's funny you say that because you and i never talked about this when i originally saw their menu i was kind of okay that that looks good Everybody was talking about how good it was. And I was like, okay, this is, I mean, this stuff looks good, but what's so great? I was asking, what's so great about it? And everyone's, it's just really good and done well. I get it now, right? The lamb tartare, just, I've had lamb tartare before. Yeah, but, but not, with, this, not with sliced almonds and it, not with olives. and Exactly. You know. Like just what they do, they, as you say, they elevate each dish and take it to the next level so ah and then you had the steak didn't you i had the steak how was your steak it was very good i thought um because i was thinking okay i felt kind of embarrassed a little bit like okay y'all are getting shanda's getting this pasta dish and i'm like i just want to get the steak right how can they mess up on the steak? Right, it's like a twenty-seven dollar hanger steak with chimichurri. Right, I'm like, it's a hanger steak. It's but no, they knocked that out of the park too. Just the the quality of meat they're using, which it's you can tell that they're using you know quality meats. Um, the the waitress came back over and talked to me about. I'm like, where are you getting your steaks from? Just um, I thought that was wonderful, but my meal, my steak was really good. Those their signature dish, the Nancy cakes. I yeah. I don't know what they're putting. They're putting some kind of magic dust in yeah. there. I wanted to corn keep, cakes with smoked trout roe. I wanted to keep popping them. I but I didn't want to be judged that day, but they were really good. And then we had the cheesecake, Julia Duran's Japanese style cheesecake with the black pepper honey on it. I just I'm not a huge cheesecake person, but I do I like the texture of that and I like that it's not sweet, that it, it's got that it's a savory. It's got dessert. that tang. Yeah. yeah. 
right? That honey, you know, it's savory, but you know, that like that little, the honey gives it that like mm. little lingering, bam, it just kind of punches. It's really good. When you were, you mentioned it, we we're like, really, Eric? Cause we were one to kind of go sweet. And you were like, trust me. Someone um, saw that we had that. They're like, isn't that cheesecake? That's the best thing. I'm like, we're believers. So if you talk about it all the time, that I was like, Eric has a new, I'll call it your restaurant crushes. I do, yes. This is this is the new restaurant. This crushes. is the this one and, I agree with. This, this one. endorsed Metropolitan. Or yeah. The, the two I agree now. with both of those. So sometimes I'm kind of like, you know, Eric, it's good. But right. you know, those are two crushes I will back up and endorse. And then I, I will just mention that Nancy Sussel is up for four different Culture Map Tastemaker Awards, so it could be a very exciting April 4th for them. And I didn't mention the cocktail. Let me just say yeah. their cocktail program. Yeah, what did you order? You ordered something off the menu. Yeah, I can't even remember what it was. was. It, it was a, a whiskey-based. Shanna had um like a whiskey type of mule drink. and Because um, I ordered a sidecar first, remember? Right, you ordered a sidecar that you were raving about. And they killed it. I was yep. like, oh, this is a wonderful sidecar. And then Shanna had that mule drink, and um, I had that after. It was really good. So I haven't heard people really talk about their cocktail program, but definitely don't don't miss the cocktails. Well, and... Their bartender, their head bartender, Christine Wynn, really knows what she's doing. She came from Bad News Bar, so very few places in the city that are as consistently satisfying as Bad News. And so she's got uh, a great resume and and brings a lot of expertise to what's going on at Nancy's Hustle. Yep. All right. And then I do just briefly want to mention that you and I both went to the East Hampton Sandwich Company pop-up that took place uh, last week. East Hampton Sandwich is a concept from Dallas that's going to bring uh, elevated sandwiches, lobster rolls, some other stuff to two locations in Houston in the immediate future. The first is in River Oaks District, and then they're going to open on Westheimer, uh, where Ruggles used to be at Westheimer and Montrose. So, you know, the lobster roll, it was a little hard to judge. They'd scaled it down. It wasn't on the bread that it was going to be on, but they did a a chicken, a fried chicken sandwich that we both really like. Yeah, the fried chicken. Yeah, the lobster roll didn't. The pop up kind of didn't do them justice on the lobster roll, but that fried chicken sandwich was amazing. I didn't even expect it really to be that good. They used that like it's just the avocado, like an avocado spread on it, and then do you know what that that dip on the side was? Like you could put it. With- so it was basically a jalapeno ranch. Okay. And you could, it was an optional thing, right? Like you could dip it or you could put it on the sandwich with the spread. Right. You didn't really need it because it was really good just with the avocado spread. But once I added it, it just took it to the next level. Yeah. And so I had been just sort of intrigued by East Hampton Sandwich Company. I have have friends in Dallas who had told me that it was good. And I, having gotten just a taste of what is basically their most popular sandwich, uh, I am definitely looking forward to that. And we should have them uh, in the next couple of months. We'll have uh, the first location and then the second one to follow shortly thereafter. Yeah, I'm excited about having that at the restaurant. And then I looked online and saw a picture of their burger. I don't know if you've seen that burger yet. But if it looks any, if it tastes anywhere the, um, near the way it looks, I'm excited. 
Have Good. you seen it? I have not. Yeah, you, you just just go look. It's just a little food porn for you. Just look at that this afternoon. All right. Well, maybe on my next, maybe <laughs> my next trip to Dallas, I'll have to, I'll have to go and eat so, that burger and tell yeah, you how totally. it is. So eat it when you go, and then so you can compare it to the new one. Like if it's right. if it's on point once they get here. All right, and then I do just want to one dining experience that I had that I did not share with you is that I went to the Urban Harvest Farmers Market on Saturday and tried Topo Truck for the first time. This is a, a relatively new food truck, and I don't, I don't really, I, I feel like food trucks have kind of come and come and gone in terms of having their their moment. But I'm always, I'm always open to being persuaded. And of course, every week in the lightning round, I ask our interview subjects where their favorite place to get a taco is. No one has said Topo Truck. And so having eaten there, I had a, a barbacoa taco, a barbacoa taco, and a roasted cauliflower taco, both on homemade corn tortillas, both dressed with their salsas and pickled onions and some other ingredients. Uh, I don't know why more people. I, I I don't know how we've we've had this podcast for forty two episodes and no one has told me about Topo Truck yet. <laughs> you feel cheated a little. I bit. I do feel a little bit cheated. Uh, and so, Taco fans of Houston, this is my this is my plea to you. Like, go find. You can follow it um, on Instagram. You can look up Topo Truck. I will link to Topo Truck in the Culture Map article that accompanies this podcast. Seek them out at the Urban Harvest Farmers Market on Saturdays and and wherever else they pop up because that that barbacoa was just melty, fatty deliciousness uh, with the the salsa and the onions and everything. It just it was a great bite. Uh, it's a little bit hard to justify a five dollar taco, but I thought it was very satisfying. I had it as my breakfast, and I was very very happy about it. I'm going to, well, I'm right there. I'm going to seek it out. Good. You got me a barbacoa. All right. Felice, that does it for Restaurants of the Week. We can find all of your work on urbanswank.com, updated all the time. And, of course, we can follow you on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Urban Swank. Anything else we need to know about what's going on in the world of Urban Swank? You know what? Urban Swank has some great, exciting things coming out. So just stay tuned. If you follow us on one of those at Urban Swank or at the website, you'll stay updated. Always an entertaining Instagram story on Urban Swank. (laughs) Yes, it is always entertaining, I would say. (laughs) Thank you, Eric. All right. And I will be right back with Aaron and Patrick. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Aaron and Patrick Fegis, the proprietors of Fegis Barbecue, coming soon to Greenway Plaza. Aaron, I had you on the show a few months ago to talk about I'll Have What She's Having, so I'm going to say welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be back. Patrick, you're a, you're a first-timer. Welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I know you've told this story before but uh i just i just kind of want to start at the beginning how did y'all two meet um <laughs> and decide to start um a romantic relationship um i'm gonna let patrick tell the story <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's this really cute blonde on on twitter that worked at plonk and uh just kind of followed her and she left plonk and 
started working for Clumsy Butcher, which was the same company I was working for when I was at Underbelly. And then she'd be hanging around in the kitchen as she was getting ready uh, to open Blacksmith. So we'd see her there. there. I started drinking a lot more coffee than I normally did just so I can hang out at Blacksmith and and flirt with her. (laughs) And uh, I finally wore her down. I will say she did blow me off the first time we were supposed to go out. Uh, I got a text message right before we were supposed to meet up. Hey, I'm tired. I'm going home. Well, it was like an after work date. (laughs) Only I wasn't working at night. So he was like, yeah, I get off of work at 11. Let's hang out. And by like 930, I was like, I'm tired. I'm I'm not going to make it to 11. That's not the most compelling. (laughs) No. And it wasn't a date. It was like a hang. A hangout. (laughs) All right. So where was the first date? So the first time we went out, we would, I don't know if we call it a date. Our first time hanging out um, was at the Maple Leaf. Yeah. So we spent the whole day together at Go Pig or Go Home, which was, so this is after I'd blown him off. Um, and I just started working really at Hay Merchant, focusing, my role was really focused at Hay Merchant at that time. And um, I was asked to do Go Pig or Go Home, but I needed a, a vessel to cook my pig. And the only person I knew that had, a smoker big enough for a whole hog was Patrick. And these this was a small hog too, but this is twenty thirteen? Yeah. I think. Sure. <laughs> We're sure. really bad at remembering how long we've been together. But or yeah. This, that sounds about right. Twenty well, so Blacksmith opened in twenty thirteen. So this was twenty thirteen. Okay. So we spent that whole day together because we got together um that morning to start cooking the pig. Um and so we were at Cotarabata in the parking lot at 7 a.m. And then nobody showed up until much later. So we just spent the whole day hanging out, talking. And I just remember thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't have blown him off. Like, there's so much more to this guy. And he was, you know, trying to woo me with war stories. And I'm pretty sure he told me he was a war hero, <laughs> which he is. So that was he's, my go-to move. He's, he's earned the right to say that, certainly. Uh, so you know what they say, the rest is history, so... Yeah, I mean, I've I've skipped over both of your bios to kind of move the story along, but I, I think Patrick, when I met you, you were working at Underbelly. Um, I was introduced to you as an Army veteran uh, and someone who had worked at Brennan's and kind of a talent to watch. How did you go from the Army to cooking professionally? Well, if I hadn't joined the Army, I probably would have just jumped right into cooking. It was just something I did. I worked fast food in high school. Um, my, my mom can't cook. She'll be the first one to tell you that. And uh, so if I wanted to eat decent food, I had to cook it myself. And so I just kind of kind of had a knack for it. So that was always the plan for if and when I got out of the military was I'll just go to culinary school. And then, Aaron, I think like Patrick said, you, I think when I first met you, you were at Plunk, but you, you were a, you're a Memorial grad, you're a Stratford grad. Stratford. Okay. You're, you're, and then it was like, oh yeah, the chef that's cooking it at Plunk worked for like Thomas Keller and Mario Batali. And yep. so, so how did you go from Stratford to working in New York restaurants? So I actually, so I went to, um, undergrad at Texas Tech and, Wanted to be a doctor. Yeah, get your guns up. Wanted to be a doctor. Um, Majored in 
biology and minored in chemistry. Um, my senior year, I spent three months in Spain. And just like Patrick, I, I didn't grow up cooking. But in college, I started cooking a lot for myself and for my roommates. And I really enjoyed it. Um, never knew anybody that had pursued a career in anything culinary. So it seemed very foreign. But I started getting these ideas. And then when I traveled abroad and lived in Spain, I, you know, it just really bit me like, you know, how amazing food is and how it brings people together. And um, while medicine does that, I'd already transitioned into dentistry. And I kind of thought, you know, dentistry doesn't bring people together and nobody really wants to go to the dentist. But chefs, you know, you're providing something that people actually desire and get excited about. Um, and, and Spain's a great place to be because they really, the food is just such a big part of their culture. Um, and so I came back and I told my parents, uh, I'm not going to take the DAT anymore. I'm, I'm going to go to culinary school. And I'm not sure how they feel about that, but they've certainly accepted it. So <laughs> that's how that happened. And then I went to school in San Francisco for culinary school. And then how long were you in New York? I was in New York for four years. And then, and then when you came back, so, so what brought you back to Houston? How did you wind up at Plonk? Um, so when I lived in New York, I was New Yorker or bust. Like I thought it was, you know, I, I'll never leave. I'm a New Yorker now. Um, but then every, every like December, January, February that rolled around, um, you'd be in like your third month of seven degree weather. And all of a sudden Houston's appeal would really come out and I'd be like, Oh, maybe I'll move to Houston. And, um, so I made it four years in that cycle. And on the fourth year, I just said, no, I'm ready to go back. Like this winter thing is not so great. Um, and I was getting homesick. So I moved back home and I had no idea where I was going to. I didn't have um, I was working for William Sonoma at the time as a culinary expert, which is more of a corporate position um, where they were just bringing out poly science and some of the more um, professional equipment that they were trying to bring into the home. Um, so the team I was on was really helping to incorporate that into home use. Um, so it was a really fun job, but I was able to just transfer from New York to Houston. Um, so I moved back and then within a few days, I actually met the owner of Plonk in Williams Sonoma trying to return a piece of equipment. And basically he was being kind of a jerk. Um, and I called him out on something and he said, well, are you even, he thought I was just, you know, a sales rep. What do you know? Yeah. And he was like, what do you know? And, and I happened, you know, I stood my ground and told him where I'd worked. And then his follow-up to my response was, I'm looking for a chef. Would you like a job? (laughs) 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 Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I ended up hearing him out. So, and Scott's still a good friend of mine. Um, and Plonk is still been one of the best opportunities for me so yeah and you know you started at plonk and then you you worked for the clumsy butcher group for a little while and then you opened main kitchen mm-hmm. and then patrick you went from brennan's to underbelly to killen's barbecue to southern goods yes uh and i guess i've been sort of professionally following both of your careers for a long time how did you get to the point where you decided to open a restaurant together well, I mean, going back to culinary, I decided back in culinary school in 2006 that I wanted my own barbecue restaurant. But I also wanted, had other goals in my career I wanted to meet, you know, um, which I did working at Brennan's and Underbelly. Um, and then, 
you know, I bought that smoker about six years ago while I was at Underbelly and started doing the pop-ups and catering and stuff. And really, you were one of the first people to really start following me um, since day one, really. I remember you got a, you took a picture of me when I, that first day I had the smoker. Yeah, I happened to be at Underbelly. I don't even remember why I was there, but I, yes, I, I still have that picture. Yeah, because we used that smoker for the uh, Bizarre Foods episode. Right. And that was like the first time I cooked on it was for that episode. But um, that was always, it's always been my goal is to do a barbecue restaurant. Um, and then I think she kind of married into it. <laughs> uh, we we found, a, we figured out a way to kind of, to for it to work with both of us. Um, while it's definitely a team effort, uh, there's, you know, I'm focusing on the meats with her input and she's kind of focusing on the sides with my input. And and really, where she's been the best is is just getting us to this point. Uh, there's no way I get this restaurant open without her. So uh, the paperwork and the, the all the permits and and all that stuff, uh, she's been instrumental in, in all that. Uh, and then Aaron, like for you, I mean, did you did you sort of try to pitch him on? Maybe let's hold off on the barbecue joint. Let's do something else. Or did you have, or or how did you kind of make this project your own? Well, I'll start by saying I don't think there was any way to talk him out of barbecue. <laughs> um, so I, I never even considered that. Um, but I certainly thought long and hard, um, how can I be part of this concept? And, um, you know, the barbecue community is very embracing. And I felt like even before we were talking about restaurants, um, the barbecue community really welcomed me as one of their own. So I, that, that started the idea for me that like, this could work, we can make this, we can make this happen. And I think what's really great about our concept is, um, there's a lot of collaboration. So we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other. And I think that you'll see that in the way the meats are prepared. I think you'll see that in the way the vegetables are prepared and, I've had a lot of people say like, oh, so you're just doing the sides and I can't wait till we're open because I think the sides are going to really stand up to themselves. Um, they're not going to disappear behind the meats. They're going to be a substantial part of our menu. Um, and that's something that we'll, you know, definitely have worked on together. Um, and we've been building this menu for years as we're doing pop-ups and, um, it really brings a lot of that chef driven experience that we have to this menu. And I think that it'll be really apparent to people that this is a collaboration between the two of us. Yeah. Actually you, you saying that kind of brings me to, to another thing I wanted to discuss with you, which is that, you know, we have like a, a vision of a very traditional Texas barbecue joint, right? Louis Miller is kind of the, the iconic version of it, you know, brisket ribs, sausage, beef ribs, I guess nowadays. And then like coleslaw and beans having eaten, just barbecue pop-ups over the years. I mean, you guys do some of that, but you know, I had roasted eggplant, I think at, at one of your pop-ups I've mm -hmm. had, uh, different salads. I've had, you know, Korean spiced, uh, beef and pork. I mean, how do you define kind of what makes Fiji's barbecue maybe different than a traditional central Texas style barbecue joint? So, well, first of all, the, the one question you always get when people hear you open a barbecue restaurant is, what are you going to do different than everyone else? And I always just point towards Aaron. Like, I, I got a ringer. Like, you know, <laughs> I can do the meats, you know, and, and she could do the meats too. But it's, you have 
I have this awesome talent working with me uh, that is, uh, that's what we're going to do different. You know, I've got, you know, her doing, doing her thing and bringing her, her skills to this. But, uh, I mean, what we're, what's going to make us stand out? Um, I don't know. We, we're just bringing our culinary background to it. Yeah. We're, it's, we're not thinking just barbecue, uh, pigeonholing ourselves with traditional barbecue, like the whole hog. Uh, I don't want to, you know, Texas barbecue, as great as it is, it's, there's other barbecue out there, and we kind of want to showcase that as well. I don't think we believe in that in Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, hog's starting to take off, though. It, it is. Well, well, yeah. How did you? Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people doing whole hog. It's it's very closely associated with the Carolinas. How did you develop an interest in it? Because it does seem kind of unlikely. It's you know, it was a, a, a trip to Rodney Scott's restaurant in Hemingway. Uh, we went up there while we were in Charleston, and we loved it. And just the whole the difficulty of cooking a whole animal as opposed to just one cut of meat, uh, really, really appealed to me just because, you know, I'm, I'm hard headed and I like to do stuff the hard way. So at this point, I, I'm going to lose some credit here, but I enjoy cooking whole hog more than I do brisket right now, just because it's, it's more difficult. It's more hands-on. It's also, you're cooking one, one pig instead of, you know, like 20 briskets. So you only have to worry about the one the one pig, even though it's different cuts. So it's, it's a, it's a different challenge that I enjoy. Well, and I think anyone who's seen you prepare it or, or been to Southern smoke and seen Rodney prepare it, it's, it's a very hands-on process. I mean, it, you know, he's, he's literally using a mop to apply <laughs> sauce to the pig as it, as it cooks, it's gotta be flipped, which is like a, at least a two person deal. And it's very photogenic too. People yeah. love to take pictures and videos of you flipping that pig. I, I think I have pictures of you flipping. That <laughs> pig. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, are you going to be able to do that at in Greenway Plaza? I mean, underground. Yes, um, in a way. So uh, we can't do it the traditional way, burning the wood down the coals, shoveling under the pig the way I have been doing it. But it will fit on that smoker. Uh, we'll probably do about hundred pound splits. Uh, at the end of the day, it's still Texas, so I'm not gonna. Still gonna be mostly beef, but if I think we're planning on every Friday doing about a hundred pound split pig on the smoker, and then the traditional vinegar mustard sauce, coleslaw, cornbread. So that'll be our, you know, our driver. Fridays come out on Friday to get that. <laughs> um, and then Aaron, I, I think, you know, you're you're going to be in an office environment. Uh, it's a diverse population. What are you doing? I, presumably not everybody's going to want to eat a three meat plate every day. Yeah. Like what are, what are you doing to make Fiji's barbecue accessible to people who are looking for something a little lighter? So when we started talking about opening a restaurant, the first thing I thought was I would want to be able to eat at our restaurant every day, which means you've got to have an expansive enough menu that nothing gets you know, too repetitive. Um, but it also has to be healthy, which nobody thinks of barbecue and healthy in the same sentence. Um, but we're going to have options that really lean towards somebody that's um, trying to eat somewhere without having any guilt. Um, I think of barbecue as an indulgence, and we all love to indulge, but um, 
we want to see people there multiple times a week. And the only way we can do that is if our menu is a little bit healthier. And so you're going to see that in the sides, but you'll also see that in the meats. I mean, we're going to certainly have smoked chicken and smoked turkey. Um, and we'll have offerings on our menu that are, you know, it's build your own sides plate. So kind of like if you went to local foods or some of those other restaurants that are really known for the things that they serve with the sandwiches. Um, like I've gone to local foods and built a plate entirely of their sides because they're delicious. It's going to be like that, a little less intimidating than going to Fadi's, but there's going to be so many options that you can complete a meal without even ordering any barbecue at all. Um, we obviously hope you order barbecue, but we are set up in a way that you don't have to. Salads um, that you can add proteins to. Um, so we're just really kind of thinking about the food court really lent itself to this style of menu, but I think we were already kind of going in that direction of thinking about having those options. Um, Patrick's always complaining because he wants to go to barbecue probably five days a week. Um, and I pretty much say no four days a week. Um, <laughs> and the, the answer to that is I'd go if I could eat something a little healthier. I just, uh, you know, yeah, I'm I mean, just I, not able to indulge like that. Right. I mean, I, I think about a place like Pinkerton's that is very traditional in its approach. I don't think there's a green vegetable on the menu. Right. right? I think I think Grant just added mac and cheese, which, by the way, is excellent. But there's like there's coleslaw, I think, is the yeah. only vegetable. He doesn't have green place. beans or anything. I don't think he has green beans. Hmm. And, and I think and I think corkscrew is is kind of a similar a similar thing where. It's very true. And, and I love what, what both of those places do, but I mm -hmm. also like find myself choosing places that are a little more diverse. Yeah, yeah, I have an immense amount of respect for people that execute traditional barbecue well. Um, that's just not the concept that we're going for. So that's, I think, how we're able to cater to the food court. And hopefully we see people there multiple times a week because I think we're going to have that variety in our menu. So so let me just ask, so which of, so was it, was it the chicken or the egg? So did you decide that you wanted this kind of diverse barbecue place and Greenway Plaza seemed like a good place to do that? Or did you decide on Greenway Plaza and then needed a menu that would adapt to the menu, uh, a diverse population of office workers? The menu came first. Yeah, well, we've been looking, we started looking about a year and a half ago for uh, a restaurant and real estate, restaurant real estate in this town is tough. But we had a whole other concept in mind, mm -hmm. with which is going to be barbecue for lunch, and then dinner was going to be more composed plates. Um, and then with the barbecue influence, smoking whatever for, yeah. for dinner. And so, so we so basically feed just STQ. You know, we thought of this, and then they opened SCQ, and I was like, you'd think Ronnie was in our heads, but you know, Ronnie's also a talented chef with a legitimate culinary background. Um, so what, what we tell so, people yeah. is, I mean, yes and no uh, along those lines, but I, I'll say SCQ is a little fancier than we want to do. Uh, we never want to. We've worked fine dining. We don't want to open a fine dining restaurant. Yeah. Right. Well, and there's the Granary in San Antonio, and there's uh, Tim Love's place. I think it's called Smoke, right? That yeah. There's yeah. a lot of places yeah. that are, or there's a few places that are kind of pushing these boundaries. So I guess more along the lines of that, real, what I would tell people, it was, it was, the restaurant we want to open up is Southern Goods. If Lyle and JD would have let me do that menu by myself. <laughs> because uh, they can attest to it. Every idea we had was like, great idea. And I'm like, can we smoke part of it? 
Yeah. Um, so, no, we wanted a neighborhood restaurant that, you know, had healthy options and, and, and different, um, different, a little different than, than, than barbecue, but Grooming Plaza became available. And so we just kind of pivoted and it really made sense for us. Yeah. And we could still do uh, kind of what we wanted to do anyways. So the menu definitely came first. Yeah. And it was critical when Patrick was like, okay, I'm, let's start talking seriously about opening this restaurant. The menu style that we have, it was critical for me to be on board. I'll be honest, because if it was all about the barbecue, um, I would certainly feel like as a chef, you know, how how can I contribute? But we've really developed the menu in a way that it is a true collaboration and it reads that way. So, right. So the thing about Greenway Plaza is, I mean, Aaron, you spent a year or more working at Camerata, mm-hmm. um, learning in front of the house, learning wine. I mean, you're not really going to get to do that. I know it's, you know, and everybody's talking about wine and barbecue and I'm like, I've been drinking Lambrusco and barbecue for years. Um, it's a, it's a great, yeah. Too. Our original concept certainly had that wine and barbecue um, relationship. Uh, in Greenway Plaza, we're not obviously going to be doing any booze. It's just uh, not the right concept for it. Um, but we still have plans to visit those ideas again in the future. Yeah. And I mean, there is the one thing I really like about Greenway Plaza is that there, there already is an audience of people who are kind of into unusual concepts. I mean, like Rice Box is not traditional Chinese takeout. I mean, it's obviously right. grounded in that, but it it plays around with it a little bit. And Burger Chan is so much better than the regular fast food burger joint. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have a, a population of people who are kind of primed for this. And you're also replacing what was, frankly, a really terrible barbecue joint. So <laughs> if for, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> well, this, we never ate there, so we can't comment on it. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't either, but I still feel like my opinion is probably correct. <laughs> I mean, people seem really excited for us to open, so... Um, yeah, you've done a couple of pop-ups, right? I mean, what's the response been like? Well, we only did one in Greenway Plaza, and it was on our our snow day where the city was uh, frozen over. Which worked out actually pretty well yeah. for us because none of the other food vendors were open, so yeah. we sold out. <laughs> but everyone seemed happy. Um, no complaints. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like the, the newsy person in me asked, is there an opening date yet? Have you... Oh, I wish. <laughs> it's this month. I heard. I heard March nineteenth. So we we're we, aiming. We for have that. a date in mind. It might get pushed back. Um, if if it ends up being March nineteenth, then I will have only gotten to cook on that smoker twice, and I yeah. don't want to open up having only cooked on that thing twice. Listen, I'm a control freak. I would love to have a calendar that had a, a this is when we're opening because that nothing would make me feel better. Um, but there's just too many, too many forces out of our control. Um, health inspector, you know, all the different things that have to happen building compliance wise. Um, and they all have to happen in a specific order. Um, so we are at the mercy of things that are out of our control right now, but we are aiming to be done, uh, and open to the public within the month of March. Um, And then let me just ask you kind of a philosophical question. You've both opened so many different restaurants, um, but this is the first time you're opening a restaurant with your name on it. Are you, does it make you more nervous? Does it, are you excited? I mean, how do you feel about that? (laughs) Well, I have this paralyzing fear that I'm forgetting something major, but I'm confident in our ability to get this place open and do well. Yeah. But I just have this, I just know I'm forgetting something. 
<laughs> I mean, it's. I think there's a, a lot of pressure. Um, our reputations are obviously on the line, but I think even more so than that, um, this has to be successful. This is our income. This is our livelihood. This is we've put everything into this. Um, that being said, it's in a food court. It's a small staff. I've opened the hotel, and that was almost debilitating the amount of nerves that went into opening it. It was just such a massive endeavor and it was a new, you know, thing for me to be in a hotel. So this in way, some ways seems easier than that. Um, but like I said, it's ours. So there's more pressure to make it perfect. Are you like calling like Lyle and Chris, like bouncing ideas off of them or you, you feel like you're kind of ready to roll? No, I'm, I, I think we're ready to roll. I'm, I'm, tr we're trying to make it, ours um i don't think we've reached out to anyone i mean we reach out to people about like hey so we're um hood inspections what do we need to be prepared you know like yeah, we're getting yeah. some more feedback um just about the behind the scenes stuff but in terms of the menu we've really kind of kept that to ourselves um and then patrick i know you took just like an epic barbecue road trip recently yeah it was pretty it was pretty awesome <laughs> um like what were what were a couple of the highlights and and did you learn anything did did you did you pick up any any tricks for Fijis? So I, I you know I picked up a, one or two. I went on this trip to see there were some big names in there. Martin's Barbecue, uh, you know we went to Memphis Peg Lake Porker. There was I mean some big time names in there. And one thing I really learned is that eating this food is I think my stuff kind of holds up next to theirs so i walked away from it being more confident in my ability to barbecue but as far as the things that stood out bees crackling in atlanta might be the best whole hog i've ever had and i apologize to rodney scott i'm sorry i love you um bucks and hall lived up to its hype uh, everything i had at bucks and hall was great and the the way he approaches barbecue and and smoking is um something not a lot of people do you know, whereas he cooks, we had, I had green beans that were cooked underneath the whole hog as the fat stripping on it. And it was so good. And just, no one does that. It's, it's a really good move. Um, I mean, everything was great. It's just those, those two places really stood out. Fox Brothers did really good Texas barbecue in Atlanta. Uh, and they have an operation. It's, they showed me, they, have a big commissary and just the amount of food they put out is, is pretty mind blowing. And so it was a good thing to see. Maybe one day we could be that big, you know? Yeah. I, you guys are, are going to be a, a culture map tastemaker awards first and that you're, you're nominated for best new restaurant. Um, and the voting, and we, we do that with an online vote of culture map readers. And that's going to start sometime in the next couple of weeks so you'll be the first time i think we've ever given people the opportunity to vote for a best new restaurant that's like been open for a few days <laughs> so no pressure there right right, right. <laughs> well we'll just say i've been doing this for six years now so i've been working towards it so you guys have had a preview of what we're gonna be doing for for the past six years so i'll use that as a justification for <laughs> yeah and that's why when the panelists came back and it was like uh you know, we start this process uh, not to, not to pull too far back on the curtain, but we start this process in in January to get ready for April fourth, which is when the award ceremony is. 
Uh, and when that came back as one of the best new restaurants, it was like, okay, like we, we know that, you know, I feel like our readers are, have been going to the pop-ups. I, I mean, I've certainly been going to the pop-ups and, and we've certainly talked about y'all on, on this program several times. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how the voting goes, but, but I do feel like there's at least a frame of reference yeah. uh, for what y'all are. Yeah. To. And it's, it's tough. You have to have a, a deadline, you know, do they open by this date? And every publication's award for best new restaurant, it's they come out throughout the year, so you have to have this deadline throughout the year. So it's very interesting how, how all you guys do it. But I'll you know, I'll take it all. <laughs> it yeah, you've never been one to shy away from, from uh the press. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um well unless you guys have something else you want to discuss, I think that brings me to what I had. I don't have anything to you. No, I'm ready for what you have. <laughs> All right, well, so it's time for the lightning round, and I'll say this poses a bit of a challenge for me because, Aaron, you've already heard all of my questions before, mm-hmm. so I had to come up with slight variations on those. So, Patrick, this is unfair to you, but it's the only way to, to not hear the same answers from Aaron twice. So, <laughs> It's all right. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, Aaron Smith, Fijis, Aaron Fijis, what's your favorite ingredient? Um, fennel and turmeric. I have two. Sorry, Patrick. Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> that stuff makes everything better. Patrick, what's the first album you bought? Garth Brooks in Pieces. Aaron. Wilson Phillips. I still own it. <laughs> uh, Aaron, who is your favorite current Astro? Ooh, uh, George Springer. Patrick. Can I say all of them? All of them. Um, it probably, you know, probably Altuve. Yeah. I feel like there's really no wrong answer. If you'd been like, Oh, I'm a Dallas Keuchel guy or I'm a Bregman guy. I'd have been like, yeah, that's all right. I mean, you know, Justin Verlander is great. I will say this. I was at the first playoff game where Altuve hit the three home runs and I'll be bragging about that to my grandkids. Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, where's your favorite place to go for fried chicken? Frenchies. Patrick. Um, you know what? I, first of all, just, I'm not saying just because she's here. I think Erin makes the best fried chicken in the world. Um, when she did it at, at, um, Hay Merchant, it was amazing. But I, you know, the Killen's fried chicken. And I, of course I'm biased because I, I, I kind of helped develop that, but it's, I don't think there's any better. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Patrick, where's your favorite place to go in Chinatown? Fufu's. The, the original. One. Yeah. HK Market. Very good. Patrick and Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Fijis BBQ on all platforms, right? Dot mm-hmm. com, Instagram, Twitter. All that good stuff. Yep. All that good stuff. And the website is Fijis BBQ. Yeah. yeah. Uh Opening coming soon. This month, March. Very good. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler. On Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with Bobby Hubert.